Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. Elm City Church is a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together. No matter where you're at, these messages are meant to equip and strengthen you for the journey. You can find out more by visiting elmcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Justin here. Thanks for tuning in to another week of Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Um, You know, as we've mentioned, we're so thankful for the use of technology, but this exclusive format should make most of us uncomfortable. Why? Because this is not how it's supposed to be. The, uh, the local church, I think, is, is always meant to gather in person, and so I look forward to, along with the rest of our team here at Elm City Church, to the day that we can get back together in person, to worship together, to, to pray together, to sing together, to be together. And so for now, we wait um, with this, sort of this longing and expectation with prayerful and heavy hearts. And I believe even in the midst of this time that God is using this uh, to help us to, to grow our dependency upon him. And so we do long to get back together in person. Well, historically, today is a significant day uh, for the Capital C Church around the world because it's Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday marks the first day of what is often called Passion Week, the final seven days of Jesus' earthly ministry. Palm Sunday is also the day that we typically recognize what's known as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem or the point of no return as he makes his way toward a cross where he will eventually be beaten and crucified. Today, I want to invite you guys to follow along with me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, excuse me, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 10. Mark 11, 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say that the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road And others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is a pretty famous story, one that all four gospel accounts include. And what's really interesting to me about this passage is that the first six verses are entirely devoted to finding a donkey for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on. Now, one might ask, why was this so important? Did Jesus just love donkey rides so much that he sent his disciples into the next town over to look for a specific one just so that he could take 
a joyride into the city? Well, as we'll see in the next few moments as we unpack this, that there was a significance about a donkey in the story of Jesus. And the first clue takes place 500 years before Jesus is ever around. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9. We'll also have it up on the screen. Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The donkey in the story is important because it revealed Jesus' identity. 500 years before Jesus came on the scene, the Old Testament prophet Zechariah spoke of a future king who would one day present himself to the people of Jerusalem by riding in on a humble donkey. Jesus fulfills this prophecy, and his disciples would eventually come to realize later that Jesus is the long-awaited king who would come to rescue and redeem them, and the one that the prophets foretold about. Now, I couldn't help but think as I was reading this, um, that's one lucky donkey. Can you imagine if the donkey knew who it was carrying? Or that it was actually fulfilling a 500-year-old prophecy? See, donkeys are pretty smart. Um, Fun fact Did you know that donkeys can remember the places that they've been and other donkeys that they've been around for up to 25 years? In the desert environment, a donkey is able to hear the call of another donkey up to 60 miles away, just in case you're ever in a situation where you needed some reliable donkey facts. You're welcome. Um, What makes this story even more interesting is that in the days of kings, the beast that you rode in on was supposed to represent the power of your kingship. So how powerful do you think Jesus looked riding into Jerusalem on a donkey? To be more specific, both Mark and Zechariah identify this animal as a colt, and a colt is actually the foal of a donkey. So you, you get what we're getting at here, right? It's you, you see this clear picture that this is not like a mighty steed that you'd picture some great warrior and king to ride in on. This, think, this is more like a hobbit animal. Okay, let's be real. So what is Jesus doing here? What's he getting at? Well, part of what he's letting us know is that he, as a king, comes to make peace, not war. To reconcile, not to divide, to save, not kill. It's as if Jesus is saying, I don't come in on a war horse. I'm not the kind of king you're expecting me to be. I come suffering, serving, humble, weak. But that is my kingdom triumph, to die, to go to a cross. And in this act, Jesus is letting them know what his kingdom is actually like. And it's very different from the one that they expected or the one that they were used to. In fact, the crowd has no concept of the kind of salvation Jesus is bringing or the strategy for bringing it. 
They were still looking for a Messiah who would rescue them politically and free them nationally, but Jesus had actually come to save them spiritually. Well, there's another aspect of this donkey that is worth mentioning. Jesus has instructed his disciples to find him a cult. Verse three says, on which no one has ever sat. This was also a nod to the cultural norm because a mighty king would often sit upon an unbroken horse to show his power as he paraded through a city. But what about Jesus? Well, it's very unlikely that a young, unbroken colt would have been this easy to control. First of all, donkeys are extremely stubborn. They kind of get that, uh, that tag that goes along with the donkey. And no animal carries a human rider without first going through a very difficult process. They often refer to this as breaking a horse in, or in this case, breaking a donkey in. But this did not happen. This was an unbroken colt, and yet Jesus rides this unbroken foal peacefully through a turbulent, cheering crowd. And so even this small detail matters. It, even this small detail is important in foreshadowing a future reality. It's almost, as Jesus, it's almost as if Jesus is giving them a live glimpse or a foretaste of the harmony and the peace that will be established by his new future kingdom. He's bringing about a new way of living. Listen to the imagery of this new kingdom as foretold by another prophet in Isaiah chapter 11, verse six through nine. Listen to this imagery. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Friends, this is a limited, descriptive language for what the future looks like as Jesus' kingdom begins to spread over all the earth. In fact, Jesus' kingdom is way better than even what our limited English can give us. Um, or in this case, they were using another language, Hebrew. And yet even that was probably limited in terms of explaining what Jesus' future kingdom would look like. And so it's way better than even our descriptors can make it out to be. This is just descriptive language trying to get at the root. It's gonna be way different than what we currently experience. You know, and as we think about our current moment and the difficulties that we face as a nation and around the world, it would be very easy to say, well, you know, it sure doesn't look like that type of a kingdom that this is describing. And you know, that's absolutely correct. Jesus says very clearly, in this world, you will have trouble. And so we can't just pretend that it's all good and that everything is okay, because frankly, it's not okay. 
And we need to be okay saying it's not okay. Right now, our world, our world is filled with fear, anxiety. We don't know what's going to happen. We're facing a pandemic. Yet in the same breath, and this is, this is the reality of how Jesus' kingdom works, in the same breath, there are pockets of Jesus' kingdom working in restoration all around us. In Christian theology, this often gets referred to as the already and not yet nature of the kingdom of God. And for more uh, information on that subject, which we don't have time to go into here, I want to just link to the Bible Project video about this because it's super helpful in understanding this aspect of the nature of the kingdom of God. But the good news of this kingdom message is that one day at the return of the king, that's Jesus, that he will put all wrongs to right and every injustice will cease before the power of his majesty once and for all. There will be no such thing as COVID-19 and physical death. And you know, it's interesting when you talk to people, you interact with people, you hear people's story. Deep down, this is what every heart aches and longs for. See, every person is looking for someone or something to fix their problem. And I want to suggest that Jesus offers that hope today. He never promises to take away our pain, but he remains faithful to walk through our pain with us. Well, even though the crowds didn't know who Jesus really was or what he was going to do. They still celebrated. In fact, they are so excited, the people of Jerusalem, that they are now publicly pronouncing Jesus to be the messianic leader that they are expecting as he rides this donkey in the streets of Jerusalem. And they are now shouting the word Hosanna, which literally means save us. Verse 8. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and the others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The crowds are now openly proclaiming that Jesus is king and Caesar is not. This is a big deal. There are extreme religious and political implications for what Jesus is doing here. One commentary I read suggested that Jesus could have managed to have a long, happy, peaceful life, but his actions on this day, Palm Sunday, set into motion a series of events that could only result in two things. The overthrow of the Roman establishment or his brutal death on a cross. Jesus had crossed the point of no return. Unfortunately, this celebration in Jerusalem didn't last very long. Even as the coatless multitudes waved the palm branches and shouted joy, they ultimately missed the true reason for Jesus' presence. They could neither see nor understand the cross, and that included his disciples, people that had been his closest followers and with him for three years. They didn't recognize what he was about to do. And so this is why in Luke's account of this story, it says 
that as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day that would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. It's a tragic thing to see the Savior but not recognize him for who he really is. The same crowd who was crying out, Hosanna, on Palm Sunday, were literally crying out, crucify him, just a few days later. And so on this Palm Sunday, and in the chaos of our world right now, I want to invite us to not miss Jesus. Perhaps you've been around Jesus. Maybe you grew up in the church, or you have uh, friends or family that are tied to Christianity. Maybe you have played the part of Christian for a long time, but you haven't yet truly surrendered your life to him. You know, it's very easy to make Jesus out to be something in our own image. It's very easy to make Jesus who we want him to be for our benefit. But Jesus wants more than that. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Listen, if your heart is aching today, if your heart is heavy, if you feel like there is no hope, we believe there is an answer because truth is a person and his name is Jesus. And so don't just see Jesus or hear about Jesus, but recognize Jesus and follow Jesus. That's the call that he's giving all of us. And so today, if you're watching this and you're hearing my words right now and you're saying, yes, that's what I want, that I just want to simply lead you in a prayer that might open up a door for you today. I want to just lead you in this simple prayer that could potentially be the beginning of a whole new chapter in your life. Maybe you've come to the place today where you realize, you know what, it's just too much to bear. I can't handle this. The stress of life is crazy. I'm going through all these uh, situations, uh, maybe with work, financially. The stress of life is too much to bear Maybe you are ill. Um, I just want to speak to you today and just say there is hope. There is truth, and his name is Jesus. And so I just want to lead you right now in this prayer, and if you would, just pray with me in your heart, and, uh, and then we'll talk about what you can do as a follow-up to that. But let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for all those who have tuned in today. And right now, we just want to take time to, to pray and ask that you would guide us. And pray this prayer with me today if, if this is resonating in your heart. Jesus, I have been around you, but I have not recognized you. Open my eyes to the reality of your sacrifice for me. Today, instead of continuing to do my own thing, I want to surrender my whole life to you as my new king. 
I receive you now. 